the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You are listening to the Advanced Colorado Rundown, Colorado's conservative podcast, providing insight and thought-provoking discussions on Colorado's most critical policy issues. Let's join Michael Fields for today's edition. Welcome to another episode of the Advanced Colorado Rundown. My name is George Brockler. That over there is Michael Fields. And we have on with us today a big special superstar genius in the area of housing and all things economics, and that's Stephen Byers, senior economist. He likes to be called Commodore from the <laughs> Common Sense Institute. Stephen, thanks for joining us. You bet. Hey, um, I know we're going to ask you a lot of hard questions, which means Michael will be doing a lot of the talking. But uh, before we get there, I want to know, why are we listening to you about economics and housing? What do you know about this area and what have you done in it? Uh, well, I've uh, we've been researching the uh, shortage in housing since uh, about March here at the Common Sense Institute. So we spent a lot of time going through uh, any kind of data we can to try and get an accurate picture of the housing situation in Colorado. And uh, I've got about 20 years of experience as an economist uh, analyzing data. So I think I'm well suited to the project. Can I ask you, Stephen, where you grew up? Uh, Eagle, Colorado. Oh, what high school? Well, I ended up coming down to high school and went to Bear Creek. What? (laughs) It, that's impossible. That's impossible because I went to Bear Creek and our prior interviewee, someone named Pam Anderson, her husband went to Bear Creek. I realize it is the epicenter of education. What years did you go there, Stephen? Uh, well, I graduated in 81, so it would have been 78 to 81 about. Where was, oh, let's ask, where was junior high? Oh, it was up in Eagle, Eagle Valley. Oh, Eagle, Eagle Valley. Valley. Bear Creek Bears. It's great to have it. I, frankly, your qualifications are over the top now. That's all you had to say. Just say Bear That's Creek. That's it. To start with. Yeah. <laughs> so it's um, good to have another bear on. Mike? So, so Stephen, you know, CSI recently put out an update uh, to kind of your, your housing studies, your updates, uh, quarterly updates. What is the, the latest on kind of the housing, the cost of housing uh, it's obviously gone up tremendously over the years, but what have you guys found in terms of the increase in costs? Well, we tried to uh, combine two different metrics to come up with the increase of cost, and that was one that combines the price increases of homes for sale as well as the cost of financing those. So we looked at the mortgage rates on a 30-year mortgage. Right. Uh, in the last uh, 12 months uh, alone, We've, it's, I mean, the costs have almost doubled. Um, and we found that people on average are having to work an additional 27 hours per month just to cover the same house, medium priced house that they would have bought 12 months ago. Wow. Uh, that's a huge increase. I guess, what did you guys find in terms of the, the shortage of uh, units that are needed uh, in order to make sure the supply side uh, of this is, you know, what it should be? Right. Well, we 
we came up with a range of estimates uh, and the deficit uh, range is between 93,000 and 216,000. You, you may ask, why is that range so wide? Well, we use two different sets of data on how, the number of housing units in the state by county and the number of households in the state by county. One was from the American Community uh, Survey, part of the census, and the other was from the Denver Demographer's Office. And they combined census data with county-specific data that they got. And uh, when I did that, we ended up with this, this large range of about a, oh, 120 odd thousand. But it's, it lies, definitely lies somewhere in between those two estimates. And did you guys look at kind of the reasoning why we're behind? I know there's numbers on, you know, how, basically how to catch up, how many permits need to be approved, uh, you know, through the next few years, et cetera. But did, did you guys look at kind of how we got where we are? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, well, the, the amount of building that we did coming, um, you'll remember the dot-com bust in 2000 and so forth, and we were doing a lot of building then. Population was increasing uh, drastically up through 2000. But then after the dot-com bust, um, we started to see uh, more housing coming on to the market. But after we went through the Great Recession 2007 to eight or nine, the amount of housing being produced dropped off dramatically. Meanwhile, the population continued to increase. And that's where we got behind, starting about 2007, eight. Uh, listen, Stephen, there is, um, there's this thing that's taking place with housing right now. In part, there was some supply chain stuff. In part, it sounds like it's this population thing that we'd ever caught up with. Mortgage rates are starting to go up. Um, do you sense a different housing market today in terms of its fundamentals and how it might be impacted by an economic downturn, like let's call it a recession than there was back in the late 2000s? And if you don't know the answer to that, no shame in that, just say, I don't know. Well, I, I do have a view on this. If the Fed continues to have to tighten this mortgage rates, uh, probably will stay at these elevated levels. They may go a little bit higher and that in itself will impact the demand for housing by people. However, with that, that decrease in demand, um, we're going to start to see <coughs> home prices drop off. So you've got these two forces working against one another. One is home prices should start to decline, which would make more homes affordable. But on the other hand, the cost of financing those homes is going to remain elevated until we get through the recession and the Fed can start easing again. So what I would guess is you're going to see Builders respond to these uh, two forces, and uh, they're going to be a bit more moderate in the amount of homes they're building going forward because they don't want to get left holding the bag with a lot of uh, inventory they can't sell. However, as we come out of the recession, if we get into one for uh, uh, you know a year or two, uh, demand for housing will start to go back up and we'll be in this vicious cycle of, well, they kind of quit building. So are we getting behind on the amount of inventory we have available? What's the big fix for this housing crisis then, given where we're at right now, given how we got here, what's the answer or answers? Well, one thing that we have not looked at in this in, and put in a report so far is trying to break out the housing stock by county by the price levels, the various amount of housing stock at certain price levels. <clears throat> so the next step for us is to evaluate that and do a layover with the amount, the income distribution in those counties 
And I think what you're going to find is that there's a lot uh, that the distribution of income looks a lot different than the available housing by price level. And I, it's more the price is being more skewed to the right or the higher level, mid to higher level homes. Meanwhile, the incomes are probably skewed a little bit to the left if there's more lower income. So the solution here is really for builders to build where the demand is. And a lot of that is in more moderately priced homes. I think that makes a lot of sense. I guess if we are caught up and say we had zero deficit in in units that we need, what would that do to the price? Obviously, it's doubled in the last seven years. Uh, what would that look like in terms of we've caught up, it's going to you know cut housing prices by 10% or something like that? I guess, do you have any uh, estimate on it? Well, I, I think prior to the, you might be looking at a market that looks a lot like it did prior to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So 2019 and the change we've seen since 2019 was around a 45% increase in or decrease in affordability. So I would expect that we would, you know, revert to the mean and head back towards that. So, you know, houses drop 30% maybe. Mm-hmm. The other question that I have is looking at kind of uh, the regulation side of this. You know, we saw the Marshall Fire happen and housing because of the new codes they put in had, you know, $30,000 more in order to build. Uh, We have, you know, water tap fees that are $20,000 plus. So that's, you know, there before uh, the build even happens. I guess, do you have any thoughts on, you know, these additional regulations that also add to the, the cost of housing? Well, there's two regulations that come to mind uh, that are at the forefront of what we're interested in. And one is the uh, new building codes uh, as they pertain to efficiency and the fire codes, but also this electrification move that's uh, being pushed down at the state legislature. And those, the, the electrification is, uh, going to add uh, it's dollars to a home. And that's before you really look even at the additional cost through your, til- your utility bill for the utilities to, to build extra uh, capacity to meet the electrification. Um, so you saw some kickback in the Marshall Fire uh, because a lot of that had to do with electrification. And uh, so I don't think the legislature has and the local municipalities have taken full account of the increased cost and the impact that's going to have on housing. And I think so I wouldn't be surprised if you see some pushback, but the trend is to be more expensive. Uh, Stephen, have you any opinion on the impact that HOAs have on housing itself, either the development of you know areas where people can build, live? good, bad, or otherwise, and I ask it in the context of a piece of legislation that I think was offered up last year that would have crushed HOAs, and I think there's a real move to try to do that. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, HOAs typically try and maintain the status quo, the current, the way the current a neighborhood or an area looks, its environment. So I think a lot of the pushback would be for infill, which is more creates more density, and for the influx of uh, higher density type of housing and lower income. And so, you know, that the HOAs are the first line of defense for a lot of that. Um, so I, I wasn't aware of that legislation. I will look that up. But it 
definitely is going to have a negative impact of people who are, you know, current residents in neighborhoods. And uh, <clears throat> what I would guess, though, is that a lot of the higher density housing and so forth, because of the existence and strength of HOAs as they are now, will end up going into areas, counties, municipalities that are have a lower income uh, population. Good stuff. Stephen Byers, we don't want to take up any more of your time here. You're out there thinking about housing and all that other economic stuff. I imagine this is just a huge distraction, helpful to us and our listeners. Uh, thanks for doing this. You bet. I wanted to mention one more thing. We're, we're going to be tracking the amount of permits issued by county uh, over, well, from the foreseeable future. And we really want to keep track to see that the communities that have the largest deficits are issuing enough permits. Okay. Uh, but what we're seeing right now is it's the, a lot of the counties and the municipalities that have ample supply. Many of them are the ones that are issuing a lot of permits. And since people won't move to those other areas and you can't pick a house up and move it to where there's a deficit, that's something we really need to watch. Tell us where people can find your great research. CommonSenseInstitute.org. Uh, Actually, I think it's CommonSenseInstitute.co.org. Co.org. Sorry, yes. No, that's all right. Um, hey, Stephen, thank you. Senior economist at the Common Sense Institute and Commodore Stephen Byers. Michael, any last words? No, I just I think the updates will be very helpful for us as we try to keep uh, on track, knowing that Coloradans are so concerned about the rising costs of housing, and it is you know a top issue for for Coloradans. So I appreciate you coming on and I appreciate all the good, good work that uh, the Common Sense Institute's doing. Hey, that's a wrap up here from me, George, that guy, Michael Fields. Stay tuned for another Advanced Colorado Rundown. See you next time. You've been listening to the Advanced Colorado Rundown, brought to you by Advanced Colorado, the conservative thought leader, driving dialogue and solutions to Colorado's most critical policy issues. Find them at advancedcolorado.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.